rough outing for the Cardinals, who fall 37-14 at home Sunday to the Rams and are now 2-10, tied for the second-worst record in football. Welcome into Morning Scramble, presented by Verizon from the SeatGeek Studios, alongside Jody Jackson and Zach Gershman. I'm Danny Sarek. It was ugly on all fronts. Post-game, head coach Jonathan Gannon said the effort was there, the energy wasn't. Jody, why did this team look so different from what we've seen the rest of the season? It's interesting. It's a great question because it's a little bit of a mystery, especially when you realize that, you know, this game wasn't out of hand immediately. You know, the first drive, yeah, L.A. went down and they kind of diced up the Cardinals defense, which was a theme, doing, doing the Sean McVay things. You know, whether it was Jared Goff years ago or whether it's Matthew Stafford, it works for them and it, and it worked again. But then the Cardinals came out, and, and I don't know if you guys agree, but that first drive for the Cardinals, I felt – like the energy was pretty good, right? I mean, they were trying to establish the run with James Conner. Uh, we saw Kyler under center five times. And that's not really my point here, but it's just in general, we saw an energy infused group. We saw the physicality I think we wanted to see and we saw a touchdown. It was after that, while the game, you know, remained 14 to eight, kind of that sweet spot of where the Cardinals had a chance to take control, you know, and again, I hate to put it all on the offense because we all know the defense had to make some stops. But early on, you know, their kicker missed a field goal. There were some chances to get back in the game, and that's just the nature of football. If you don't make plays on offense, if you don't make a big play or sustain a drive, it does deflate the entire team. And so I think the energy, what energy was out there got drained, Zach, when that happened, when they weren't able to make plays. They had some really horrific possessions after the touchdown. I think the first 10 minutes of the game in general were great for the Cardinals. You won the coin toss, something you haven't been able to do since week one, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it. <laughs> I didn't even you realize 50, that. 50-50 shots the first time since Washington that you were able to win the coin toss. And then you talked about that first drive where they truly matched Los Angeles's. I mean, obviously Los Angeles went down the field. They scored first. Cardinals came back. They scored second. Great, you got a ball game at that point. But after that, it just was the self-inflicted details that have hurt you time in and time again that, that continue to add up. It's a little bit different because this is not something – the one thing we have talked about week in and week out about this team, energy has always been there. And this was the one game where it wasn't. And there's a lot of questions as to why that is, but I think it's when you have a Kyron Williams running all over the field and having yeah. – back-to-back career highs in just this one season against the Cardinals. He had this game circled on his calendar because he had such success in Week 6 that he wanted to come back in Week 12 after he sustained his injury to have to, to play against the Cardinals. He had equally amount of success, and we'll talk about the offense, the defense, Kyler specifically, um, but it, it's the self-inflicted penalties, it's the self-inflicted details that really hurt you. Cardinals finished with just 292 total yards, averaging less than five yards per play, two touchdowns. Some of those numbers are inflated because of garbage time, including one of those touchdowns to Greg Dortch. That opening drive was a great start for Arizona. Distributed the ball well, ended in a Kyler Murray touchdown run and that successful two-point conversion, the tush push by rookie quarterback Clayton Toon. However, after that, it fell off. Zach, what were those details that you didn't see afterwards? I think it was the balance. When you have such a good running back like James Conner back there, you really were not utilizing him as much. He only had six rushes. And I recognize, I mean, I spoke with Hollywood Brown afterwards, and Hollywood Brown had I mean, his best game so far with Kyler Murray back. And I asked him, I go, does this mean that the connection's there? And he's like, no, because 
it was a throwing match at that point. You talked about a little bit about the garbage time numbers and how those make the stats seem a little bit better than what they probably were. We saw the same thing when they played against the Baltimore Ravens when Josh Dobbs came down towards the fourth quarter and the game was already way out of reach and your numbers were starting to be inflated a little bit better and you started to recognize like, okay, this wasn't as bad. But it's the, it's the fact that you had such success on that first drive, whether it was being under center or just being able to have that balance between the run and the pass game, to a certain extent, it kind of became a little bit more predictable because you're now in those throwing match situations. Between the time of that opening drive and the Greg Dortch touchdown near the end of the game, the Cardinals had just 54 total net yards. The offense couldn't string drives together. There was no rhythm, Jody. After the game, quarterback Kyler Murray did say he's not discouraged because he understands there's growing pains. Mm -hmm. Are you feeling discouraged? You know, I mean, a little bit, but I think that was really telling, you know, Danny, what he talked about after the game. I thought it was a mature answer from Kyler, a mature press conference after that game. You know, he, he maintained his composure when asked if he was kind of irritated by the fact that the offense wasn't moving the ball, and he, he said, no, I'm staying positive, and I think that's a great answer. That's a great mentality. Um, there was no pouting. There was no, you know, I didn't notice anything like that during the game. I think what I learned in those post-game comments was that Kyler Murray is still learning about football at the NFL level. And I think the coaching that he's getting right now is helping him to do that. But it is a process. He mentioned that it's just his third game. It's just his seventh week of practice. Now, he did have the opportunity to watch all of this going on, and he was very involved, and he, and, he, and he is putting in the time studying, and he is now, of course, out on the field trying to execute all of this. But the fact that he said that kind of reminds me of how far he has to come from what he was involved with in college and then here at this level, in some ways, you know, working with, again, a coach that he knew from college, and there's just another level of all of this that is, you know, hopefully coming along over the next few games. Now, we only have a, a five more games to really evaluate what Kyler can do, at least here in 2023. But there were plays to be made, like you mentioned, 54 yards in between the touchdown and that big play at the end. And it is a little disturbing because I, I didn't like some of the decisions or the lack of timely decision-making. And, yeah, it was hard to get open. And, yeah, that Rams front is tough. Look at the Rams, Kyler against the Rams and the Cardinals, you know, just in general. I mean, Kyler now, I mean, I, I saw the stat going into the game one and seven. Obviously, he's not the only one. It's mm -hmm. a team game. But they fall to one and eight in those games. And, look, I asked Kyler after the game about Aaron Donald. It doesn't all come down to Aaron Donald. Kobe Turner had a couple sacks in the middle there. But they do have a good front. It just seems to be a, a matchup that the Cardinals – cannot seem to get over the hump with. And I think it does start with Aaron Donald, and it does start with just all the disruption that happens with the line. But we know about the insufficient, you know, some, some problems with the O-line. We know that, you know, you don't have Michael Wilson out there, so you don't have your full complement of receivers. And yet I felt like there were plays to be made. And um, I felt that Kyler is still growing. That's something that we're learning. We're seeing it. And I think it's been more validated over the last two weeks, but especially – this week because we've all felt pretty different after the Atlanta game. But as we know, every week is different and every week is a new challenge. And, and the Rams are a tough challenge for this team. They definitely are. And Sean McVay ha has had the Cardinals number 13-2 and two against the Cardinals, including the playoffs, 12-2 and two in the regular season, that is. And I, I think that, to go back to your word, is it discouraging? It's a discouraging performance, but I don't think because of how well this team has played all season long – 
by having so much effort and energy. That's why I wouldn't necessarily look at it as discouraging and just put a label on it as that. Because of the fact that this, this could just be a one-off. There, there could be a lot of things. And, and I, I think it goes back to your point, Jody, about Kyler still maturing a little bit. He's still learning this offense. This was only his third game. And obviously I recognize the fact that he comes in at week 10 and you go into expecting like, okay, we have this sample size of Kyler Murray and that's what we have until the draft process begins. But I think when you start looking at it in that sense of, in that lens, you already start to look towards next year and not focusing on the right now. If you're focusing on the right now, Kyler Murray has brought a big boost to this team in terms of energy. Everybody's talked about it. The culture has been different. One game when you have a running back like Kyron Williams and Matthew Stafford that was playing lights out football, that could be a discouraging performance, but I wouldn't label discouraging as the overall theme. The vibes have been different since Kyler Murray even came back to practice, yeah. not just stepping onto the field. There's parts of this offense that Kyler is having to adjust to, not just the play action and playing under center more than he has in his career. It's also the footwork, those details, what this coaching staff is really asking Kyler to do differently. And that's going to affect the way that he's playing these first couple of games is understanding those details and those changes and not going back to what he knows, what he's known at this point in his career, Zach. And, and he's caught himself sometimes doing those bad habits, as, as he referred to it. And you do have points where you can have that dirty feet, which you're able to just get out the pocket. Your footwork might not fully be there, but your natural skill set will ultimately allow you to get you know, some extra additional yardage. But he's caught himself because before it was left foot up, now it's right foot up or vice versa um, based off the previous schemes and the previous systems that Kyler has played in. That is a big difference, especially for a guy like Kyler who, has who is as detailed-oriented as he is. A minor detail like that just, uh, just before you start the play with your left foot up and your right foot down as opposed to it being right foot up, left foot down over the years, that makes a drastic difference. And sometimes when you sit back there in the pocket and you're in your head because you're questioning, is my left foot up or my right foot up, what is it? that could ultimately deter you from what's actually the task at hand. You know, it's interesting, Danny, you brought up the boost that he brings, and you both have talked about that. He does bring a boost, and a lot of times it is because of that ability to scramble and make a play through the air or to run. The problem with yesterday was, and in many games against the Rams, frankly, he's not really running. He's not able to make those plays with his legs. And so I think it can also work against you. The obvious thing is, and you talked about all the mechanical changes. I think we all agree he's going through a lot. We didn't maybe, you know, again, you get the win against Atlanta. Wins always make everything look great. Um, and then losses make everything look a lot worse. But Similarly to that boost that he provides because he can, you know, have the Murray magic moments when he doesn't, I think that again goes back to how this game got drained of the energy. And we know the defense didn't, didn't play very well and that, co that combined was tough. But yeah, when he's not doing those things, that similarly sucks the life out of the team a little bit. It wasn't just Kyler that couldn't get the run game going. Running back James Conner had a season low 27 rushing yards against a Rams defense that finished with Four sacks, six tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, more than just defensive lineman Aaron Donald. That was a group effort. Jody, the blocking from the offensive line wasn't up to the standards that we've seen against big 
pass rushers and strong, stout defensive lines throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, it really wasn't. And, you know, again, this matchup has not been great. But if you look at the talent, we know there's some patchwork being done on the O-line. However, it was not what we've been expecting to see. And they even made a change, I believe. Uh, O'Donnell left the game and Cologne came in. And, you know, and that speaks to another thing. Between the defensive backfield and the O-line, when you're still having guys battle in week, what week are we in? We're in week 12. Yep. I just look to remind myself. That does tell you that, look, you're, you're still sifting through the talent pool here. And, and that's not ideal. But, again, that's, this is a team that is building for the future, and we know that. But you're right, Danny, it wasn't. And, and when you don't have that with the O-line, you know, and, and the thing that made me um, really look a little closer at Kyler's performance is how difficult it really is to evaluate a quarterback when the O-line's not playing well. Um, when they're playing well, you can get a better sense, but that is also life in the NFL, and you have to account for those days when you're going to have that tougher matchup. And I, I thought back to when the Cardinals brought in Rodney Hudson to increase Kyler's comfort level, and it did work. It worked for a while, and obviously Rodney Hudson had injury problems. But, you know, that is the balance, and I think that's what everyone's trying to figure out is how do you make these evaluations, Zach, when things are not going well, um, when you don't have the running. I do agree they did go away from the running game. Mm -hmm. That hurt the passing game as well. Um, but that's the challenge over the next few weeks is to be able to balance that. It definitely is. And I, you mentioned Cologne and Carter O'Donnell. Those two specifically, they joined after the 53-man roster cuts and they were, they were, uh, the Cardinals were awarded their waiver claims. A lot of players that have been making an impact, Starling Thomas, another one of those players, Elijah Higgins, another one of those players that was brought in after the 53-man cuts that ultimately they were, that they were brought in through the waiver claims. Same with Michael Carter, who got some snaps. These are players that played a pivotal role, or I shouldn't say pivotal, I mean, the offensive line you can say pivotal. Michael Carter did get a handful of snaps in his first action within you know, that Arizona Cardinals, I guess you could say black uniform now instead of the red <laughs> ones. But um, in, in terms of Carter O'Donnell and Tristan Cologne and Elijah Higgins, these are guys that you've had to throw into the mix because of injuries or whatever it might be. Trey McBride was not nearly as much of a factor, so you try utilizing Elijah Higgins, who got his first career start in this game. And just in a lot of different facets, this is still a coaching staff that is still learning to evaluate players from a head coaching, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator standpoint because none of those three have had those roles before. And now you're still learning, and it's, it's all going to be a process. And I recognize on a day like today when Carolina fires you know, Frank Reich and they're 1-10, and, and, and I guess a lot of the talk could be about, oh, coaches, first year, first season, how do you evaluate them? I think this coaching staff, Jonathan Gannon, Drew Petzing, Nick Rollis, have done a great job evaluating talent because you've been able to find hidden gems like Starling Thomas, Amari DiMercato, undrafted guys that have truly been making an impact, Danny. This coaching staff has gotten the most out of their players undrafted free agents, undrafted rookies mm -hmm. rather, and free agents. It was a lackluster performance by Arizona's defense. They gave up 457 yards, allowed five touchdowns for the first time all season, not a single sack. LA picked up right where they left off in week six, running the ball. 228 rushing yards for the Rams, majority of those coming from running back Kyron Williams, who also had two receiving touchdowns. Zach, why so much trouble closing the gaps? <sighs> 
I think that's the I think that's the million dollar question. <laughs> a big part of it is because of the defensive line. A lot of different injuries out there, and that's been the the theme over there in the defensive line has been the injuries. But not having a Kevin Strong in this game to go alongside Jonathan Ledbetter that hurts. I know Buda Baker said post game that the most disappointing part of this one is the fact that you weren't able to stop the run. Mm -hmm. That's always the first thing that you're able to look at. And when you know the type of performance, as I previously alluded to, the type of performance that Kyron Williams had in week six, where he ran for 154 yards in the second half, you knew that they were going to go into this one continuing that momentum, especially with a Cooper Cup who was also coming off the injury report going into this game. Puka Nakua also on the injury report going into this one. I mean, Tutu Atwell was their top wide receiver for them. And to have Kyron Williams to go in and just pick up exactly where he left off in week six, that's been the most disappointing part of it. When it comes to the gap, though, it's the injury bug. And I know that Jonathan Gannon said postgame that it's not an excuse, but from an outsider's perspective, you could look at it and you could recognize the fact that you don't have your top guys out there. Yeah, you mentioned Kevin Strong. He's been a big part of this defensive line, and you didn't have him. I know Ledbetter's been battling through some injuries, was still out there, and then it was the first full game without Kaiser White. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, this just continues to pile up. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, we saw Marco Wilson not play in this game. He's going to be battling, according to Coach Gannon, you know, battling for playing time. They wanted to see the guys in there. He said after the game, we thought – these, these other guys gave them the best chance to win. So, again, guys like Keontae Ingram, Marco Wilson, they're still battling for spots. So, again, it goes back to the talent and the role players. But defensively, the, the thing that became disturbing, especially as the game wore on, was just the lack of tackling. And, again, they were on the field quite a bit. There was still when the offense not being able to get anything going. But So you hated to see that. And, yeah, Kyron Williams, he clearly loves to play against the Cardinals. He was back and healthy. And there were a couple moments in the game because he was running the ball, and then Matthew Stafford would also swing it out to him, and he was part of the screen yeah. game as well. And I'm thinking, this kind of looks like a, a two-man game at this point. They were just uh, – getting a lot done just between Matthew Stafford and Kyron Williams. And, yeah, they, it wasn't as much a game for, for Cup, who was battling the ankle, and Puka Nakua. Um, out while Higby had the, you know, big game. He yeah. looked like the Tyler Higby from a few years ago. So that was always a, a problematic matchup also for the Cardinals. But, yeah, defensively, definitely want to flush this one. Um, this is a team, a defense that's been built on scheme and effort. I know Matthew Stafford said after the game they were daring us not to throw downfield, that was the look. And that's not a bad, if you're Nick Rollis, it's not a bad decision to go with that and have them try to, you know, take everything underneath, dink and dunk. Um, but the dinking and dunking worked a little bit better than expected. And so um, that was what we saw, the Rams kind of carving up the defense a bit. Part of the reason L.A. didn't have to go for those deep shots, Jody, is because they found a lot of success running the ball. It was the mm -hmm. worst rushing performance by the Cardinals defense all year who allowed runs of 56, 24, and 23 yards. That is where you really notice the loss of Kaiser White, who's on IR with that biceps injury. Well, that 56-yard that run by Kyron Williams was just hard to watch because he got through a layer of bodies, you know, and there were some bodies in there that maybe could have made that tackle, gotten a hand on him or, and brought him down. But 
But on the other side, the Rams were playing really well. That You could tell they were feeling it. Kyron Williams was not going down easily. And so, you know, that was one play that is going to be cringy to watch on film when these guys are correcting things today and looking forward to the next week. But, again, that's a play that has to be made. Can't let him break free for 56 yards, especially when you have a number of guys in that first layer. Um, and, yeah, there were other times that tackles were missed. There were other coverages that just weren't – quite as good and when you do have young players playing on the back end that will happen but you know they'll learn from it all of this just has to be chalked up to a learning experience and I think again you kind of quickly mentioned the Panthers Zach I mean the difference here is that I think there's a lot of good that we've been seeing there's a lot of trust and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of belief in what this coaching staff is doing and I think that's the difference is when you can have a game like yesterday and there's still some positivity there's still I mean they don't like it by any means but there's still a good feeling in there that we need to trust this process and it's going to get better and I think that trusting the process is exactly what that they what exactly what the Cardinals are doing because everybody went into this year recognizing that this isn't a one-year this is gonna be your final product let's start looking at next year this has all been a progress and to see from week one to week 12 to see the type of results, although the results in the win and loss column might not tell the full story, there have been tons of growth and a lot of different mm-hmm. people have stepped up. And that kind of shows the impact going back a little bit to Kaiser White. When you have a new guy that could come into the system, uh, came in during free agency with, with Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis from Philadelphia, was in Nick Rollis's linebacker room with the Eagles, to come in here and to make an impact and really rally the troops, and you could see the type of difference, that's what... 13, 14, 15 weeks, including training camp, that's the type of impact that it makes. And that is a huge difference. And to go back a little bit to the explosive plays, Jonathan Gannon says week in and week out, I think it's that nauseum to a certain extent, that the explosive play battle is either what's going to make you win games or either what's going to make you lose games. In this case, the Cardinals lost. And I recognize that they said that they're not going to try to chuck the ball down deep, especially when you have a guy like Buda Baker or Jalen Thompson with back-to-back games with an interception. The, the explosive plays are also limited when you don't allow like the big-time explosive plays. When you give up a 20-yard gain, that's a lot better than giving up a 50-yard long ball. Your entire secondary, your cornerbacks at least, were rookies. Mm-hmm. It was Marco Wilson who sat out for the first time this season, didn't play a single defensive snap after playing 100% of them through Week 7. It was Keetrell Clark and Starling Thomas who got the start, and after Thomas hurt his ankle, rookie Devon Wilson went in and in his place, not Marco Wilson. And Devon Wilson was elevated from the practice squad this week, and it was the two of them paired with Garrett Williams. Jody, we heard from JG that Marco Wilson is fighting, he's battling mm-hmm. for playing time right now. To go from playing 100% of the snaps to not a single one on defense – what do you attribute yeah, that to? I think it's watching the last few weeks, you know, and the tough um, – we see the uh, catch percentage and just the, the quarterback rating against and all of these things, and it's to help Marco Wilson. It's, it's not to punish him. It's to help him get better, maybe take a breather, be able to go back to the drawing board a little bit. Um, he's fighting out there. We saw Keetrell Clark. Now, Marco obviously is a veteran, but Keetrell Clark was in that position the first few weeks. He was playing a lot, and, you know, he basically needed to take that break. And – this is a situation where, you know, hopefully Marco Wilson can find his game, but uh, he's battling right now because when you don't have success, and I feel like they gave him a pretty long leash, you know. I mean, they gave him a situation where it's a cornerback role, right? You have to have that short memory. You're going to give up plays, but when you give up plays time and time again, um, it's a chance to look at some other guys, guys that JG said they felt they were giving um, – 
getting the best chance. So it was Devad Wilson and it was Garrett Williams out there and was, you know, Starling Thomas obviously with not coming back in the game. That tells me he's probably going to not be available, you know, if you weren't able to go in this one unless it's a miraculous comeback next week against Pittsburgh. But um, injuries have taken their toll. The youth is there. Um, but again, uh, it, it also hopefully will light a fire for Marco because we've seen, you know, Marco's talent, what he can do. And um, again, it's all part of this evaluation, Zach, that is kind of a, you know, it's, it's a lofty one for this organization. We knew that going in. It goes down to the accountability aspect of it. And I appreciate the fact that if Jonathan Gannon did not feel that Marco, Marco Wilson was playing to the level that he would have hoped for, and obviously we know that that cornerback position has a special place in JG's heart, if, if JG did not feel he was playing to the level that he expects him to, I appreciate the fact that regardless of the fact that you've started 100% of the snaps, if the standard is the standard, and if you're not meeting the standard, the sidelines is where you're ultimately going to end up going in. Keytrail Clark struggled a little bit. He was one of those players that was on the sideline, and it was just a matter of Nick Rowell spoke about, I gave, I gave Keytrail a handful of things that he has to work on. Clearly, he worked on them because he was able to get on the field on Sunday. Cardinals were also without cornerback Antonio Hamilton, who was dealing with a groin injury from the previous game in Houston. However, Hamilton was warming up out on the field prior to kickoff, so that's a good sign moving forward for him. The Cardinals were two for three on fourth down Sunday. The one they were not successful with was pretty costly for them. Jody, take us back to the end of the first half for your turning point. Yeah, it is my turning point. Um, first of all, the decision to go on fourth and two um, is an interesting one. Of course, you know, the other option being being punt uh, right there and play some defense, although, you know, we know the defense was struggling. I think, again, it was a test to see could this offense convert on that fourth and two play. It was a pass play to Trey McBride, uh, and it was incomplete. It was well defended. And uh, it was incomplete, and it did hurt because you don't make that fourth and two. And sure enough, on the short field, uh, Matthew Stafford took his team down and scored another touchdown. But it was 14-8 to eight when they went for it on fourth and two. And again, it, you do put the microscope under these plays, but this was a situation where I would have liked to see Kyler Murray make a better decision. Trey McBride had a defensive lineman kind of floating in front of him. He had a defender on him. You had some other options. You had James Conner kind of out in front of McBride there. You had potentially Rondell Moore or maybe just try to get the two yards with, with your legs. So, again, another situation where, and it's just one play, I know that, but uh, the decision-making for me came into play. Uh, threw the ball a little bit late. Trey McBride's making that break. you got to throw it before he's in that spot. And, again, more maturation for Kyla Murray in a big spot, fourth and two. Um, later in the game, fourth and six, they decided to go ahead and kick. So that's, the decision-making is what it is. I'm just going to evaluate it on what did they do on the fourth and two. Um, and I guess they felt against that front. They weren't getting a lot of push, so I don't think a running play was going to be a great option. I agree with the decision to pass it, but I think it is a little bit telling, again, on the progression of Kyler Murray and making a better decision there. I think it also goes into your trust in your receivers. And I, I mean, James Conner did have that flat route where he was about three, four yards. And, and we've seen and something to, to go back a little bit. And I know I'm going a little bit off track here, but to go to the throw specifically, the previous week against Houston, they went for it on fourth down and they were so, they were, they were, they were not far enough beyond the sticks. Mm -hmm. I appreciated the fact that we were looking <laughs> a little bit deeper in this case because we have struggled, the Arizona Cardinals that is, 
of going forward on fourth down and passing beyond the sticks, passing beyond that first down marker. So that was a little bit more encouraging. Yeah, we saw Dorch on the fourth and three not go past the sticks. Exactly, so. and we were able we've, – we've seen that, and that's happened in previous weeks as well, dating back to the beginning half of the season. Fourth down, I mean, now you're eight for 25, I believe it is, on fourth down conversions this year. That's not a good number by any stretch of the imagination. But you did have Rondell Moore on that crossing mm -hmm. route. You did have James Conner on that flat route. You do have a reliable target in Trey McBride. But Los Angeles knows that he's your reliable <laughs> target. And when he's the one on that side of the field, unless you are hitting James Conner on that flat route, Trey McBride is going to be your likely target. But to go off of the aggressiveness, I appreciate the aggressiveness. And shout out to Blake Gillikin and Jeff Rogers on that fourth down, that punt trick play that Blake Gillikin was able to rush for. Kind of crazy that Blake Gillikin had more rushing yards than Kyler Murray. I think that that's kind of a, the most <laughs> unique stat of the game. Let's pull out the whiteboards for Songbirds. Choosing a song that encapsulates how you were feeling watching the game or how you're feeling on this lovely Monday morning. I really thought that Zach and I were going to have we, I don't I know, like I we switched have pretty my similar song. We do. music taste, so we do. I'm hoping you this I, isn't the song you changed to. I, I did switch my song as I was sitting in this chair. Um, I'll give oh, credit. Yeah, I did. I, cause I, I spoiled my song. It was, it was, what it was my song? It was called Confused. And I felt like that was too close to just a standard emotion. Um, <laughs> so we went with a different one. I know it doesn't always reflect the music taste, but then it kind of does as I think back to this is probably a song. This is a song that I'm going to know and you guys are probably not, although it's been in some. Wow, that's bad. Hold it's on. been in some pop culture things because I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. Let's see, Jody. Okay. So, yeah, I thought kind of long and hard about this one and I came, I came up with this, um, Holding Out for a Hero, Bonnie Tyler. Also, Total Eclipse of the Heart was a, another great song by Bonnie I know Tyler. that song. I'm pretty sure I know that yeah. song because isn't Hold it in Shrek? Shrek I think two? so. It's well, like a lot of that superhero. Counts, that's how I know I it. mean, I should know this, <laughs> but a lot of superhero-related themes. And why I ended up coming up with this was, and I, I'm not just pointing at Kyler, but just they needed a couple of guys to make some plays, especially early in the game. This team needs a hero. It needs, it needs a, a multitude of them, obviously. That's what they're dealing with uh, at a 2-10 and 10 mark on the season. But I think that's what they're looking for. That's what the processes of evaluating this team, everyone on the team, everyone. We're talking about every position. Um, but, of course, including the quarterback, because the quarterback can make plays that change the entire feeling uh, in the game. And so holding out for that hero mode, and hopefully we see it next week against Pittsburgh. You definitely are going to need a hero, especially somebody to step up on that offensive side when you're going to be going against a T.J. Watt because he has been a menace all season <laughs> long back there for Pittsburgh in that black and yellow. I went, once again, I had to switch up the song. <laughs> I went with Where Are You Now by Justin Bieber. And by the you, I kind of take that a little bit more metaphorically and hypothetically. You being the energy, you being the players on the field. Where are you going to be because – Although your record, and you might not be fighting for a playoff spot anymore, I know I said last week that mathematically we're still in it. Unfortunately, the Cardinals are no longer still in it mathematically. But 
it's a matter of what are you going to do now and who is going to be kind of off that person. Mm -hmm. Where are you? Who is going to step up? And that energy, you got to be able to find it so that you could kind of be taken for multiple different ways. I, I thought guess it that's was why. the U, like my Miami alma mater, the U. The U. I'll give you that love. Because <laughs> nah. I'm asking where they are, too. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, take it away before we start talking about college football. I went with No More Parties in L.A. by Kanye West. That's why I thought you I were I would have went off an L.A. I theme. Know, You're right. I know, I know. This is because the Cardinals are done playing the Rams this year, which – Seems to be good news for Arizona, mm -hmm. considering L.A. has had their number the last couple of years. The Cardinals still have two more division games, home games against San Francisco and Seattle. Cardinals just haven't been able to do what they need to against the Rams the last couple of meetings. And so it feels like good news that Kyron Williams, the run game, the Rams are done for the season against the Cardinals. It's kind of one of those, like, see you next year, but hopefully not type situations. Hags, have a great summer. Ex see you next year. Exactly. <laughs> and and you got to hope that – you know, that, that record that Sean McVay has against the Cardinals, although it is just two times you play him a year, that is hurtful. And Aaron Donald spoke post-game, and he said, I've come to Arizona, I've played there for about nine, ten years against them, and I don't believe I've lost. And I'm not sure if that, I have to look back to see if those two losses in Sean McVay's tenure were in Arizona, but that does make a big difference when players are going into this believing that that's the case because clearly you don't want that to be the case. And I think that that's something... DJ Humphrey spoke on the importance of divisional opponents. This is a rivalry game. And going into it next year, you got to hope that you, know, you start to switch it around. But you do got two more cracks at divisional opponents, and they're both at home. So yeah. it'll be a good one. And the other thing that hurt was just the playoffs. I remember the excitement around town and the excitement of playing in a playoff game again for the Arizona Cardinals. And then to fall flat there in L.A. was, just, And the way that they lost that game was just incredibly disappointing. And so, yeah, the Rams have been uh, – to say thorn in the side is an understatement. Um, but, yeah, something that they're going to want to get corrected over the next year or two for sure. Cardinals will turn the page before traveling to Pittsburgh to face the 7-4 Steelers. Final game before the bye week. Morning Scramble will be here next week after that matchup, 10 a.m. live on our official YouTube channel. So we hope you join us then. For Jody Jackson and Zach Gershman, I'm Danny Strag. Thanks so much for joining us here on Morning Scramble. We'll catch you all right here next week.